from whence comes come wars and fightings. And I want you to notice what he says, amongst you. Now, who is he writing to? Christians. We saw that in the first three chapters. The, first, the beginning of all three, the first three chapters, he says he's talking to the scattered, the, those that are scattered abroad, the, uh, those that are saved. In chapter number two, he says, I'm talking to the brother. In chapter three, he says, I'm talking to the brethren. And in chapter number four, he's talking to the brethren and he asks this question. From whence comes wars? From whence comes problems? You know what he's saying? Why is there fighting amongst Christians? Why is there fighting? Why is there problems? Why, are, why would there be problems in a Christian home? Why would there be a war going on in a home that both would say they claim the name of Christ? Why would there be fightings in divisions, in friendships for those that are saved? Why would there be fightings within a church? Why would there be a situation where there's a war or fightings amongst fellow brethren? If there's turmoil going in your life, if that would describe your life, there's a question he's asking you. He goes on to say this, Come, they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members? And he uses this question to answer this question. He says, why are there wars and why are there fightings? Is it from the lust that you have? Is it from your lust? Is it because your lust is out of control? Is it because you're, you're not living the life that you're supposed to live? He goes on in verse number 2. He says, you lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. So he's saying you, you lust. What you want, you'll do anything to get. And when you get it, it's not enough. And then he says, and uh, you kill and you desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. Now in that second verse, what he's saying is simply this. You're not going to the right source to get your needs met. There's something inside of you that desires. It's your lust, and you want things, you want things uh, that you, your flesh wants, and it's filling a hole. And you know what you're only going to find? No matter what your flesh wants, when you go and you try to feed that flesh, you always end up empty. And you have not. We're going to the wrong source. We're going to the world. We're trying to fill our flesh. We're trying to get out of the the material things and and things that our flesh desires. And the reason why we don't have what our needs are is because we're not going to the right source. The right source is the Lord. He goes on to say, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Your prayer life he's talking about in verse 3. What's your prayer life look like? Is it a list of everything you want? God, meet this need and God, help this and God, I need this and God, give me this. And what does your prayer life look like? Verse 3, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. 
Verse number four, he goes on to say, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God or at odds or an enemy with God? He's asking this question again. Those of you that are going out of the confines of marriage to meet a need, don't you understand that those friendships, you can't be a friend with the world and be a friend of God. You've got to either be a friend of God or a friend of the world, but the world is not a friend of God. It's actually an enemy. He goes on to tell us that whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You know what he's saying? Stop trying to get your needs met from the world. Stop living in such a way. Christians should not be living in such a way where their being, their lust is controlling them. Everything the world offers them, they have to have. Go to the Lord and let the Lord meet those needs. And he says this in verse, verse 5, do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? He asks another question. Verse number six, but he giveth more grace. Well, that's a wonderful verse there. He giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. James, in chapter number four, gets very personal and he gets very practical. Matter of fact, this is one of those that it hurts if you really let the Holy Spirit of God work on your heart when we get into this book. Specifically this chapter. Last week we looked at the tongue and, 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 and how the tongue is a fire and how, how the things that we've said have, has hurt so many people and, and no man can tame it. The only person that can tame your tongue is the Holy Spirit of God. You can't do it in your flesh. You've got to be yielded to God. And then we come into this chapter and he says, and, and by the way, where do you think all the wars and the fightings, the turmoil in your life right now, where do you think it comes from? Do you, do you want to know why there's so much conflict and turmoil between the brethren? You can sum it up with one word. Sin. Sin. Sin causes turmoil, sin causes conflict, and sin causes wars with, between the brethren. And James is getting us to understand something here. He asked these questions to get us to pause and understand what he's trying to get at. And you see what he says? Why is there so many wars? Why is there so many problems? Why is there so much conflict between you? And doesn't he point to the other person? Do you see that in there? He says it's their lust. Do you see that? Does your Bible say that? You're all looking at me like that's a trick question, isn't it? No. You know what James is saying? It's you. It's you. And James causes us, number one, James causes us in verse number one and verse number two to take a look within. To take a look within. Every single person that comes to conflict in their life, the first thing they need to do is take a look within. It's so easy. It's so easy when conflict comes or problems come for us to say, look at what that person has done. Have you ever done this? You've done wrong because what if someone else has done to you? Have you ever lost your temper because somebody else cut into your lane? 
And it was their fault, wasn't it? I mean, if they would have stayed in their lane, I wouldn't have lost my temper. Have you ever been upset with your spouse because of the way they acted? They, lo- they caused you to lose your Christianity. They caused you to lose your joy. They caused you to lose your cool. They caused you to sin because of what they did. Have you ever blamed your spouse for something? Everyone's afraid to say, I'm, never gonna, I'm not going to say that out loud. I'm sitting next to him. You can't ask me that. The reality is this. You know you have. Have you ever said, I never would have done this if that person wouldn't have done that? What we're saying is this. If it wasn't for people, we would be a good Christian. If it wasn't for my spouse, I would be a godly husband. If it wasn't for my spouse, I'd be a godly wife. If it wasn't for my boss, I would be a perfect example of what a Christian ought to be. James is getting us to understand it's not for us to put the blame on somebody else. You lust. When conflict comes into our life, the first thing that we ought to do is take a look within. Look in the mirror and see what you see. The reality is probably everyone, hopefully everyone, when they got up this morning and got dressed, they looked into a mirror. Right? When you combed your hair, you looked into the mirror. You combed it. You put a hairspray or gel or whatever it is you put in it, and you got it exactly the way you wanted. Right? Ladies, when you put your makeup on, does anyone ever put it on without looking in the mirror? Some of you shake your head. You're that good now, huh? That much practice? <laughs> Guys, when you put your tie on or tie a tie, do you, ever tie a, do, you ever, do you ever try to tie a tie without looking in the mirror? Yeah, it's like up here it's, or it's down here. You just can't get it. Do you ever do something and not look in the mirror and later on you think to yourself, boy, I should have. Why didn't anybody tell me? I was getting adjusted by Dr. Sleesher and, and uh, I was laying there on that table and, and I fell asleep, I think. Um, he had me feeling real good and I think I fell asleep. And um, when I got up, I guess the paper, you know, that they put, a piece of it like was on my eye. And I didn't know it. And I'm talking to him. And I could tell he's looking at me. (laughs) And I started getting a little self-conscious. Like, what's he looking at? And this girl comes in and she talks and she kind of takes a double take. And (laughs) I'm starting to get paranoid. And right before I got ready to leave, I mean, I'm in his office all this time. Before I get ready to leave, he says, uh, Pastor, um, you, you, got, you just got something right there in your eye. <laughs> he says, I was going to get it for you, but I just thought that might have been weird, you know. <laughs> I said, you ought to put mirrors in your office, you know, so when we leave, we could look. I could have walked out and all day long. I know no one here would have told me it was there. They had all, <laughs> he's got this big paper towel sticking out of his. <clears throat> but you know, we need to look within. And James is telling us, look at your lust. You know what the reality? Everyone here, if you're a human being, you lust. 
There's something that your flesh desires. You can't control it. Only the Holy Spirit being yielded to Him can allow us to walk the life that Christ has for us. And so when we begin to give in, sin, sin leads to harmful thoughts. And, and so we allow these thoughts to come into our mind. And if we don't allow the Holy Spirit then to cleanse our mind and to cleanse our thoughts, you know what those thoughts become? Those sinful thoughts become sinful behaviors. And you want to convince yourself, I don't know how that happened. It happened because your mind was sinful. You dwelled upon lustful things. You dwelled upon what your desires were. You dwelled upon too long. You allowed that sin to permeate your mind. And eventually it began to be your behavior. And a sinful thought turns into a sinful behavior. Lust not only leads to, to sinful or harmful behavior, is this sin leads to harmful and unnecessary battles. Many a times, because of the decisions that we have made because of our lust, it then leads to battles. It leads to battles within our home. It leads to battles within a church. It leads to battles within friendships. Do you know, many a times, many a times, churches aren't split because of doctrinal things. Many a times it's split because of sinful things. Many a time, many a time marriages are split because of sinful things. It began with a thought, then it turned into a behavior, and then it turned into an unnecessary or harmful battle that once that battle starts raging, it begins to take casualties. It all starts with a lust. And James, James is getting us to understand when those things come, why is there wars? Why is there problems? Why is there turmoil? He's asking that question and every single person ought to take a moment and just evaluate themselves. Why is there battles? Why is there problems? Why are there wars? When there's conflict, if you are dealing with conflict in your life right now, the best thing that one can do is first look inward. Is there anything in my life that is causing this conflict? Is there any sin? Is there any issues? Is there any thoughts that shouldn't be there? Is there any behavior that shouldn't be there? Am I doing something that's building my lust? Am I fulfilling the lust? Am I seeking something that I should not be seeking? You know, we're good at pointing the finger at someone else. And here, James, what James is doing, when these issues come, James points that finger right at us. There's problems in your marriage. Instead of pointing to someone else, point back at me and say, what am I doing to contribute to this problem? You know, we, we get caught up in name dropping, don't we, when something goes wrong? But you know, it all started, Eve blamed the serpent. Do you remember the story of Adam and Eve? Everyone awake tonight? Remember that story? Eve says, the serpent made me do it. That name dropping is not something that just happened with us. So it's something that I think it's a part of now our sinful DNA. We're always looking to blame. You know, then Adam says, Eve made me do it. 
So Eve says it's the serpent. Adam says it's Eve. When in reality, Eve made the decision and Adam made the decision. I think that's what James is trying to get us to understand. In you're making the decisions in your life, he's saying, when you sin. Don't name drop. Don't say, you know, we wouldn't have this war if it wasn't for this. Don't, don't get into an argument and say, you know, we wouldn't be at odds if it wasn't for you. James is saying this. It's our lust. Ye lust, he says in verse 2. Or you. You lust. And you have not. You kill. It's your desires. You're seeking to fill a material thing or seeking to fill a physical thing or you're seeking to fill a hole inside of you that cannot be filled. The more you get, the more you want. I, um, I taught this lesson to the first crowd this, morning, this afternoon. We had, we had a good crowd. We had 40-some in our 1 o'clock service today. And um, it's, it's, some are a little bit older, and I made the mistake. I said, I, said, um, I said, you know, I've been thinking about the presidential debate. Why would anybody 70-year-olds want to be, any 70-year-old want to be the president? And I think I offended a couple people. They said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, when I'm 70, I'd just like to, you know, maybe retire or something. And, um, but I got thinking that. Why would, why would anybody, specifically those two candidates, why do they want anymore. I mean, after you get your first billion, what do you want another billion for? It's never enough. After you get your taste of power, you want more. And you know, what James is saying Whenever you seek to fill your flesh, it's never going to be enough. You're always going to want more. The more you get, the more you want. The more you feed your flesh, the more your flesh is going to want to be fed. And you mark it down, what James is saying is this, and it's never, ever, ever going to be enough. You can never satisfy your flesh. It will always desire more. Can't feed it enough. You let that lust, you let your desires, you let that sin come into your life, and it doesn't matter. You'll, you'll want more, you'll kill for it, you desire to have more, and, the, and at the end of the day, it's never enough. You have to have more. He says, look within. The second thing I want you to write this down, not only when conflict comes, look within. Number two is this, you lust. He says this, you lust and have not. You kill and you desire to have. You, can't, you cannot obtain. You fight in war. Yet you have not because you ask not. You know what he's saying there? There's a lack of control. There's a lack of control. Most of us don't know what we want because many of us don't have control of our desires. Do you ever want something and when you get it, you decide that's not what I wanted? And that's what we as humans, we just keep wanting more. We just keep wanting. We thought we wanted this, but that's not what we wanted. It wasn't the type we wanted or the color that we wanted or the size we wanted. We wanted something bigger and something better. No matter what we think we want, we always want more. Most of us don't know what we want because we're out of control. Our lust controls us. Our impulses control us. You know, you know what I realized this? 
when you, go to the, when you go to Kroger, you go to the supermarket, why is it everything you don't need, they put right up there in their cash register? Everything you don't need but you want. I'm telling you, that lady, I think the cash register lady even looks at the York peppermint patties and then looks at me. I caught her pointing at them one time even. You don't have one of those in your cart yet. You know, it's everything you don't want. They even have chocolate-covered potato chips there. Like, it, they don't belong right there. But if they spread all that out and put it in the back of the store, they'd never sell it. You didn't go in there to buy anything at the cash register area, but your impulses say you've got to have it. That's why I think they make you wait in line, because the more you wait in line, the more you put in your cart. Oh, I need some of these, and I need some of these. And I need something to wash it all down with. Mark it down. When you go into the grocery store, you didn't go in for anything around that cash register. You went in for something else, but your impulses said, you got to have whatever's there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one? Okay, thank you. Thank you. My wife's looking at me like, no, you're the only one that does that. Matter of fact, my wife has said to me, I'm not sending you to the store. I said, I get everything on your list. And she says, yes, and three or four more bags. Oreos and this and that, you know. What is that from? It's from our impulses. You know what happens here? Our lust, it drives us. We're out of control. Our lust controls us. Our impulses are out of control. And if we're not careful as human beings, what we constantly do is we try to feed our impulses. We try to, to get control. And all we do is find ourselves out of control when we try to feed that flesh. You sit in the car. You eat all the stuff you got in the line and try to find a trash can before you get home. You been there, guys? Huh? And then you don't want to eat dinner because you already had dinner. I'm giving away my sin. She knew I did all this. James warns us. James warns us of this lack of control in chapter 3. And he uses our tongue. He says, in reference to our tongue, you're out of control. You're hurting people. You're destroying people. You're destroying your marriage. You're destroying friendships. You're destroying the brethren. You're using your tongue to hurt people. And you're using your flesh. You're using your lust. There's wars that are coming in. In chapter number 4, you're at odds with people. And you're out of control and you've convinced yourself it's not you, it's somebody else. Right? You're out of control, but when somebody questions you or somebody talks to you about it, you put the blame on them. And it's our lust. In Christians, we are supposed to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, not by our impulses. You mark it down. If you're not controlled by the Spirit of God, eventually you will be out of control. When you lust, when our lust controls us, we are never satisfied. We're always left wanting more. You mark that down. When your lust is in control, you're out of control. You're always going to want more. 
You're always going to desire more. And that there is going to bring in sin. He talks about adulterers and adulteresses. You know what's going to happen? When you're out of control, your spouse will never satisfy you. You've got to have someone else's. You know what you find? That's not enough. That's not enough. That's not enough. Your things, the things that you think you need, they'll sat, you think they're going to satisfy you, but it's never enough. I talked to a couple. I was pastoring in Columbus. and There was a family that they were in their 20s. They were in the, he was in the military and she was a stay-at-home mom. They had two young kids. And they asked if they could see me and they came in and we began to talk and they began to tell me about their marriage, their issues, and some problems they were having. And they said this to me. They said, our marriage is in trouble. And I said, why do you think that is? And they said, we are $50,000 in credit card debt. And they're in their 20s, Brother Kaiser. $50,000. I said, how'd that happen? And I'm not kidding you. One said this. Well, he went out and bought this, and so I went out and I bought this. And so I went out and did this, and then they went out to do this. So they were, in, they were fighting with each other, and all they were doing is getting themselves in this debt. I said, so you spent money recklessly because he spent money recklessly. Yes. At some point it made sense to them, but now they're sitting there, it makes no sense at all. in debt. Well, I needed this, and I needed this, and, and they find themselves now in a place where their lust, they've got, I need more, I need more, I, mean, I need more, and, and into the place now where and we, we, we can't even get any more credit cards now to pay our credit card bill. That's what they were doing, getting a new credit card to pay their credit card bill. Do you know that there are people that are in debt, and you know who they blame? The credit card company. Yeah. I wouldn't have been in debt if they wouldn't have given me the credit. Yeah. You see, they never want to admit it's my lust. It's not, I'm never satisfied. I want more. I want more. And when they get to the place of consequences, instead of saying it's me, I've let my lust get out of control. I've let my flesh get out of control. I've let myself get out of control. Instead of doing that, what they want to do is blame somebody else. And James says, no, 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 it's your lust. The wars you're fighting, the problems you're fighting, the issues you're dealing with, stop looking at someone else. And why is it so important to not look at someone else? Because you'll never get the problem fixed if you keep blaming the wrong thing. In order to fix the problem, you've got to take a look within and then say, you know, things are out of control. A Christian out of balance in life is one that is out of control by their lustful thoughts. You know, many times we lust, our lust is what we shouldn't and sh- cannot have anyways. We, we try with our emotions, our lust, we want something that it was never good for us to have to begin with. I bought some cookies for my kids. They were monster cookies. And, and I don't know what made a monster other than they were just different colors, but then you put these eyeballs in the cookies. And you could, on the package, you had enough to put like 10 eyeballs in them. When you open it up, there was two. 
so they weren't very monstrous to me. On the package, they were this big, but in reality, they were that big, you know. My kids, my girls, my wife and I went out last evening. We came home, and the girls baked these cookies, and they said, Dad, do you want one? And I knew, I knew I didn't need a cookie. And actually, I was full, so I said, no, no, babe, I don't, I don't need one. And last evening, I was good. I said, no, I don't need one. But this morning when I got up, they were still there in that container. <laughs> you ever do that? And last night, I knew I didn't need one, but this morning, all of a sudden, I needed one. Cute little eyes on them, looking different directions. I picked up the container, I put it back down. I picked up the container, I put it back down. Close your ears. I picked up a container and I ate one. <laughs> and after I ate one, I thought to myself, I didn't need this. I knew last night I didn't need it. But something happened between last night and this morning. And I was out of control. And then I was upset because there was only one left for me. I could have eaten more. That's what James is talking about. You're lusting. You're, you're, you're convincing yourself you need something you don't need. And when you consume that lust, when you try to fill that, you know what happens? Bad things. And he says, you're out of control. Stop it. Lust always wants and it never feel, fills you like you uh, like it should. Lust always wants. Lust is always seeking to feel full, but it always leaves you empty. Lust says, fill me. You fill it, and it says, I'm empty. I need more. And there's where the wars and the fighting and the turmoil comes because all we're doing is we're constantly filling a void that can never be filled and the consequences of that sin, the consequence of that lust leads to behavior and leads to wars and leads to fighting. And then we try to resolve those things in our own flesh, but it was our flesh that got us there to begin with. Lust, it always seeks to satisfy, but it always leaves us wanting. Lust is always seeking to fulfill, but it always leaves us needing. In verse number two, he says this, it causes strife and it causes turmoil. Those lustful desires, those lustful thoughts, those lustful actions, it brings strife and turmoil to a home, whether it be in finances or a physical relationship. Or a child that desires to want something that they should not have. He says, you, you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss and that you may consume it upon your lust. And then number three, I want you to write this down. I'll be finished this evening. The problem is this, a lack of a proper prayer. Sin causes us to get in this problem. Your flesh causes you to get into this war. Your flesh can't get you out of this war. It was the Holy Spirit of God you needed to keep you from getting into it, and it's the Holy Spirit of God that you're going to need to rely upon to get you out of it. But we have a lack of proper prayer. Our prayers many times are for ourselves. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, real quick. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. In verse number 9. 
After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, our prayers many times are for the self. And you know what I think here? We, there's a model here that we could look to and ask ourselves. Is our prayers asking God to meet a fleshly need we have? Or are truly our prayers to bring glory and honor to God? I want you to see number one here. In our prayers first, it ought to be worshiping God. Worshiping God exalts Him. It glorifies Him. It blesses Him. And it acknowledges His power. He says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If your prayer life isn't worshiping God, if it's not exalting Him, if it's not glorifying Him, it's not blessing Him, if it's not acknowledging His power, you're missing out on your prayer life. Our youngest kid, Chloe, loves to pray. But you know what I find when she prays? It's always for something. Now, she's only five, and so, you know, we're... We're working with her, but the problem is this. A five-year-old is just learning. But somebody that's been saved for a long period of time, their prayer life ought to be a little bit more in-depth than a five-year-old's prayer life. And sometimes it's not. It's, God, I need this, and God, I want this. And God, why didn't you do this for me? God, I told you I wanted this and you didn't do it, so now I'm mad at you. Would you fix this person? Would you work on that person? When, when we find here in Matthew, our prayer life ought to begin with worship. Does your prayer life begin with worship? If you want to get out of that turmoil and that strife and those problems that you're dealing with in life that your flesh has got you into, you don't have the power to get you out. Only God can help you out. In a prayer life is what you need, but we don't go in our prayer life with flesh, as James says. We go in and there's got to be something different. We need to acknowledge who God is, worship God, exalt God, glorify him, bless him, acknowledge his power. Number two, you know what I see here in Matthew chapter 6? We pray this, God's will be done. Acknowledge his path and his will for your life. You know how many people get upset because their lust says I want something and God says no and they get mad at God for not meeting their need? They think. Our prayer life ought to be God, whatever you desire, I'm going to bless your holy name. Even if it isn't fulfilling my flesh, I'm going to bless you. Thirdly, ask for your needs, not your wants to be met. Fourthly, there's a forgiving spirit here in Matthew chapter 6. Forgiving spirit to others and forgiveness of our own debt. And number five, acknowledge His leading is necessary. And that we need to rely on Him alone. You know what number six our prayer life ought to be? It's all about Him, not me. My prayer life should not be centered upon me. My prayer life should be centered upon Him. Prayer is a dependence on God, not a wish list of what our wants are. 
It's your wish list, your wants that got you into this turmoil. It's turning to God and having the right relationship with Him and depending upon His Spirit leading you and yielding to His Spirit. That's what will resolve the conflict. That's what's going to resolve the wars. That's what's going to resolve the issues in our life. I'm not going to get to this verse and I'm done after this, but I want you to see in verse number 10, we'll get through, get to verse number 10 next week in our study. But look at, the, look at verse number 10. The Bible says this of, of James 4. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. It takes a spirit of humility. James says, humble yourself. James chapter 4 is a tough chapter. Because it'd be so much easier if James would say, all right, you're having problems? This is how you deal with the enemy. You're having problems? This is how you deal with your spouse. You're having problems? This is how you deal with that church member. You're having problems? This is how you deal with a fellow believer. But what he doesn't say, this is how you deal with a fellow believer. What he says is, you're having problems? Look at yourself. You're out of control. And you're trying to fix it. And that's how you got into it. You have not because you ask not. You're praying for things and expecting those fleshly things. You're wanting your flesh is asking instead of praying in the flesh, instead of praying for your own lust. Pray in the Spirit. Pray asking God His will to be accomplished in your life. You know what the truth is? Sometimes we don't want what God wants for us. That's truth. Because we have it all planned out. We have everything that we want. And sometimes God says, that's not for you. And we don't like it. But that's our flesh wanting control. And instead of our flesh getting control, we ought to let the Spirit of God control us. In our prayer life ought to be, God, whatever you desire, whatever you want, coming to Him with the spirit of humility, I will accept anything that you have for me.